back to Deconstructing American Conservatism. I'm your host, James Killen, and on this podcast, we'll be focusing on the American healthcare system. As a former and very staunch opponent of single-payer healthcare, I'm now firmly on board with such a system, and I want to explain why. Now, first, I want to explain something else, something about this podcast. I'm not even making an attempt to pour over the numbers, if you will, or do a point-by-point logical explanation of each of these arguments. There are plenty of podcasts out there who give mathematical reasons as to why our healthcare system has to change or why illegal immigration is not the problem conservatives purport it to be. My goal here is to break down the largely emotional arguments and emotional walls that conservatives have built in order to insulate themselves from criticism. Walls like you're a socialist, or you're a communist, or liberals want to destroy America. You know, these arguments I actually use to insulate myself from criticism also. When you think you're fighting the good fight, okay, when you think you're you're trying to keep your country from falling to communist and socialist and radicals, and you have the Constitution and our founding fathers up on this pedestal, You're not exactly focused on facts, not as much as you are on destroying the character of the opposition. Now, with that said, I do my best to be intellectually honest about the emotional arguments I'm deconstructing. If you feel I'm being intellectually dishonest at any point, I want you to tell me. You can email me at james.w.killen at outlook.com. That's K-I-L-L-E-N. Or you can direct message me on TikTok. My username is duck underscore dad of three. I do not try to hide who I am. And I welcome every one of your critiques and your challenges, as long as they're in good faith and they're directed at me. If you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, I'll even meet you at a coffee shop or tractor supply. I don't want to be too cliche. The point being, I'm not perfect, but I try to be honest. And if you want to discuss something, I'm available. I'm also crazy busy, which is why this podcast is two days late. So if I take a little longer to reply, I do apologize for that. All that out of the way, let's talk about deconstructing this idea that a single-payer healthcare system is, is somehow socialist. Now, if you're conservative, I beg you to stick around. I might not change your mind, but I do want to change your perspective on the issue. If you're like me, in the last 20 years you've heard the argument healthcare isn't a right because you don't have a right to someone else's labor or some version, or you believe single-payer healthcare is somehow one step closer to the communist or socialist utopia of the left, your perspective on the issue has likely been tainted by propagandists, and I want to shed some light on that. There's no shame in it either. So many of us have been duped by these right-wing hypocritical charlatans claiming the socialists are coming, you know, from their gilded and ivory towers. You know, they sell you these doomsday gold or prepper packs and hope that that you'll keep believing them long enough for them to score a new G5. In 2008, I would have stood in front of a train for Glenn Beck or Bill O'Reilly. I've listened to Ben Shapiro's take on just about every issue, including single payer and fixing our healthcare system, with the sole intent of supporting his positions. So I get it. I really do. 
But let's break down the primary roadblocks for conservatives when it comes to a single-payer health care or universal health care system. Call it whatever you will. We're just going to call it single-payer for now. The most pervasive criticism of a single-payer system is the idea that government-run health care is somehow forcing health care professionals become, to, to become property of the federal government. Now, the talking point is that calling health care a human right means the government can force another citizen to take care of you. You know, people like Ben Shapiro say making health care human right means it's considered a necessity, and as a result, you have the right to steal it because health care is provided by a third party, i.e. medical professionals. I can't make that argument make sense here because it simply doesn't make sense. It is a foolish argument at the absolute least. The idea is to anger conservatives because the government is a boogeyman and those evil tyrants are going to make you do something against your will. As someone who has run social media for two national organizations, I can say unequivocally that making folks angry is the single greatest tool of any media professional. If I wanted engagement at my job, all I had to do was tell veterans the VA was standing in the way of medical marijuana and sit back. My job was done for two days. You can see this tactic on full display with the anti-vax no-jabbers. A lot of folks have lost their lives so people like Glenn Beck and Ben Shapiro could line their pockets and keep folks angry and scared. That whole tune into me so I can keep you informed actually means tune into me so I can keep you in lockstep with the bullshit I'm peddling and make you nearly insufferable to all those who are closest to you. In doing so, they'll make you believe the folks who find you insufferable are the people who are asleep and you are wide awake with your eyes open. Unfortunately, that's the exact formula that created QAnon. Those folks were just a little more primed for the rabbit hole. The argument that government would be stealing labor from folks is just nonsense. The government doesn't own the construction companies it pays to fix the roads. The government doesn't own the colleges that it provides educational grants to. The government doesn't own the airlines that it heavily regulates. And the government wouldn't own hospitals that it used to provide health care for citizens. The argument is a red herring. It's used to confuse and distract away from the fact that government pays private companies for all sorts of goods and services every single day without someone accusing them of conscripting the professionals executing those daily functions. The next one is the everyone will flood hospitals and you'll have to wait in long lines to be seen, or healthcare will have to be rationed because there won't be enough doctors to take care of all the folks flooding hospitals. This is consequently the argument that leads to death panels and all sorts of doom and gloom scenarios too. If there's one thing that COVID-19 has taught me, it's that no one in the United States government is actively trying to figure out ways to kill Americans. Quite the contrary, actually. And the idea that we're somehow going to overwhelm our medical professionals is obviously nonsense given the flood of unvaccinated COVID patients they've spent the better part of 18 months caring for. There also exists this notion of growth, you know, meaning the healthcare industry will grow if necessary to accommodate new patients. That's the mixed market capitalist system we're in right now. Regulation is adopted and the capitalist infrastructure of the United States adapts to accommodate the regulation. Sometimes for better, sometimes for worse, thus is the marriage of business and government. Now, in 2017, I started using the Department of Veterans Affairs for my healthcare. 
a government-run and funded hospital organization. Now, say what you will about the bureaucracy of the administrative side of the VA, which my last experience with was nothing short of vastly superior than the one before that. So I suspect the VA is improving by leaps and bounds. But my healthcare, the the actual healthcare part, has been off the charts amazing. I don't wait in long lines. I'm not dismissed. The entirety of who I am as a person is taken into consideration. I firmly believe two of my doctors care more about me than I do. And yes, I realize that as a veteran, I'm afforded the luxury that comes with societal gratitude for my military service, as uncomfortable as that makes me feel sometimes. But that isn't where the quality comes from. The care quality comes from medical professionals having the freedom to care for their patients without being told by hospital administrators they can't because of insurance or other administrative restrictions. They're free to put the needs of their patients first. And that was made crystal clear by one of my providers during one of our discussions. She didn't go to work for the VA out of some sense of duty to veterans or because it pays better than any other place with openings in her specialty. She went there because she has the freedom to care for patients the way she sees fit. Now the next argument is focused on government's innate ability to create inefficiencies in anything it touches. The post office is held up as the gold standard of government bureaucracy and lazy government employees. But that holds that we're talking about the government running hospitals. The government simply becomes the insurer. You want to talk about inefficiencies? How about the tens of thousands of billing codes for the hundreds of insurance agencies and and thousands upon thousands of plans across America? That's not including the convoluted paperwork involved in Medicare and Medicaid, you know, each state having different requirements. Here's a quote from the American Hospital Association. Hospitals deal with more than 1,300 insurers. Each has different plans and multiple and often unique requirements for hospital bills. Add to that decades of government regulations, we have made a complex billing system even more complex and frustrating for everyone involved. In fact, Medicare rules and regulations alone top more than 130,000 pages, much of which is devoted to submitting bills for payment. Now, no doubt there is confusion and inefficiencies when there are 50 states with Medicaid regulations, the federal government with Medicare regulations, and 1,300 private insurers with all of their requirements. Now, let's throw in the most absurd aspect of medical billing and administration, the in-network and out-of-network scams that doctors and medical staff spend far too much time on trying to figure out what is and what is not covered. Heaven forbid you're in an accident and taken to an out-of-network hospital, or more so if you're taken to an in-network hospital with an out-of-network surgeon. I mean, come on, how is that a model of efficiency? That is absurd. Now, we all know government is inefficient, and there are a lot of things it absolutely has no business doing. One, because of waste, fraud, and abuse, and the other, because of examples like the post office where the can't-be-fired mentality exists pervasively and a race to mediocrity is assumed. Now, if there's one industry in the world that can be almost universally excluded from the can't-be-fired mentality or the race to mediocrity mentality, 
It's healthcare. Now, sure, you may find it on the administrative side, but on the saving and improving lives side of that system, above and beyond is built into the type of people who go into the field of medicine. The problem most people can identify with easily, though, is the cost of a single-payer healthcare system. Medical costs rise double digits year over year as doctors and hospitals charge more because insurance companies pay less. HMOs are primarily responsible for the exorbitant rise in medical costs over the last 50 years as doctors and hospitals play this game of pay less, charge more. A doctor says it costs $65 for labs. The insurance company says it's only going to pay $45. The next time that doctor submits labs for billing, they cost $75 and the insurance company pays out $51. 50 years later, 50 years of that nonsense, today a simple urinalysis can cost between $30 and $250 depending on a whole host of complicated factors. The non-complicated factor, are you insured or uninsured? Hospitals have completely separate billing practices for the uninsured for this reason. They, they have to charge an insurance company $25,000 for a minor outpatient procedure because the insurance company is going to negotiate for a cheaper rate. But if you're self-pay, they'll work with you and you'll pay $3,500 out of pocket. The point being our healthcare system is woefully inefficient and a lot of that has to do with, as the American Hospital Association put it, 1,300 insurers with unique requirements on top of each state's Medicaid program and the federal Medicare program requirements. From the cost to the taxpayer to the cost of the system as a whole, all the hyperbole out of the way, let's look at that cost argument. Right now, the United States spends 30% more on health care than any other quote-unquote first world nation. Nearly 25% of the cost of health care in the United States goes to the top eight insurance companies in America. Not hospitals, private insurance companies. That's just shy of $1 trillion annually. The point is simple. If cost were our main concern, we would have done something by now. Not only that, let's look at the cost to the average American in terms of time, out-of-pocket expenses, and maybe the anxiety around open enrollment periods. If you've ever had to change health insurance plans, or heaven forbid, You've been hit with the maximum out-of-pocket and a high-deductible plan because your life circumstances took you to the lowest possible premium? Congratulations, you're in the same boat as almost 80% of Americans. Would a single-payer healthcare system in the United States cost a buttload of money? Yes, absolutely. Would Americans have to pay higher taxes in order to make a system like that happen? Yes. Would American businesses pay higher taxes in order to make that happen? Yes. Are Americans already overburdened by healthcare costs? Yes. Are American businesses already overburdened by healthcare costs? Yes, and a lot of that will wipe. They'll just be paying the healthcare costs to the IRS rather than Blue Cross and Blue Shield. Now, does the American healthcare system today cost 30% more than any other developed country? Yes. Is it possible Americans actually save time, money, and brain cells moving to a single-payer system? Absolutely, it's possible. Imagine your primary care doctor not having to worry about whether they can continue accepting your insurance. That was one of the biggest selling points, though it turned out to not be true because of all the reasons we've listed above, but that was one of the major selling points keeping your doctor under the ACA. What if, what if you change insurance providers and, and you can't keep your doctor? That's insane. I mean, it, like I said, major selling point of, of the Affordable Care Act. 
you change your, your insurance providers and you can't keep your doctor. The American healthcare system today is insane. Now, there, there are very few industries, and, and I, even though I'm struggling with capitalism at the moment, I, I'm still in the ballpark that it's the best, uh, the best system that we have because all the others suck also. But there are very few industries where profit motives are bad, and education, defense, you know, looking at you, defense contractors, prisons, for example, uh, there's probably a couple more I'm leaving off, but healthcare is a big one. Healthcare is not a, a, a place where I want a profit motive as a citizen. And finally, let's talk about that socialism communism argument. Now, I was the first to throw someone under the socialist bus the second I heard the word single payer healthcare. And when President Obama was exposed as being a proponent of single payer, it was the first thing I would point to when suggesting he was a socialist with the stated goal of destroying America. And that was after I stopped listening to conservative talk radio. The Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare, which conservatives still use as a pejorative, was a train wreck. If it were the magic tool that was going to usher in socialism, you'd think it would have been rolled out a little better. A valid criticism of President Obama was the fact that he did not have the uh, executive experience to take on the role of President of the United States. And overseeing the rollout of the ACA simply wasn't something he was qualified to oversee, but who on earth would be qualified to oversee such an enormous task? Not the, the task of creating a national health care system, but the task of creating an efficient marketplace for such a convoluted and ridiculously complex hybrid of private businesses and government? The answer is no one, absolutely no one, because it wasn't the right thing to do. Healthcare needs to be treated like defense. It's a role the government is suited for. And one thing we could do, just like there exist private schools in the United States, there can exist private hospitals. Private hospitals that cater to folks who need that four season type treatment nothing wrong with that if you have the money at least you don't have to eat lemon jello with green eggs i'm happy for you but the simple fact of the matter is america needs to stop treating healthcare like a for-profit industry and start treating it like it is a necessary function of our federal government now i appreciate each and every one of you thank you so much for listening please consider supporting this channel on patreon or through our anchor page if you think this message needs to reach more folks, please send the link to them. Make sure that you're subscribed so that you get new episodes. I will try my best to have them out every Monday. Sometimes uh, I won't be able to do that, and I apologize, but I'll get them out as quickly as I can. I'm James Killen, and I hope you all have a fantastic day. Thank you so much.